Five, four, three, two, one, and lift off the rise of Starliner and a new era in human spaceflight. Welcome to your online coffee break, where we discuss bite-sized topics that inspire, educate, and entertain. Here's your host, a software innovator, award-winning marketer, and astronomy and space buff, Chuck Fields. Hello, thanks for joining me today for your online coffee break. Today we're going to go behind the scenes of the Boeing Starliner CST-100 orbital flight test. As you may know, this was a milestone launch for NASA's commercial crew program. Boeing had previously conducted a successful pad abort test for Starliner in early November 2019. This orbital flight test on December 20th, 2019 was successful in that it launched and returned safely two days later. However, the Starliner spacecraft, now named Calypso, was unable to dock with the International Space Station as planned. Over the next few minutes in this program, we're going to discuss our amazing experience behind the scenes of this mission as attendees of the NASA social program. I've invited my new friend, Jason Fields, who also attended, to discuss this incredible experience. Online Coffee Break Jason, thanks so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Hi, thanks for having me, Chuck. I appreciate it. Let me be here. My pleasure. Now, this was your first NASA social, and that just really impressed me. I was wondering, though, there's there's a lot of space enthusiasts out there, and based on the content of this particular program, um, I'm assuming they're interested in space. So I would like you to just tell me about what drew you to the NASA, NASA social program and, and what you thought it was at first that made you decide to apply. Well, you know, I had had um, a couple of acquaintances that had been involved and, and went to one in the past. I don't, it was several years ago, so I don't remember exactly which one, but they kind of told me, you know, what the gist of it was. And, uh, you know, specifically for the last few years, I've been following the space program pretty, pretty regularly. And uh, I just, I, you know, there's an opportunity to get a backstage view of, of what's going on over there at the Space Center. And, uh, you know, I'm 100 miles from my front door to Kennedy Space Center. So wow. I said, <laughs> I'll go check it out if I'm selected. And and I honestly didn't think I would be selected. I didn't know what the criteria were they were looking at. You know, I had a captive audience with a podcast I'm involved with. But other than that, you know, I I wasn't sure how what the selection process was like. You know, I, I totally agree with you on that because I think a lot of people think, oh, they've got to have all this um – I guess, experience or uh, following, like huge amount of followers or in social media or that. And you really don't. I mean, I think that's the neat thing about NASA socials is that they select a diverse group of audience. And yes, yeah, some of them, my gosh, they have really popular YouTube channels. Uh, right. Others are teachers. Um, but there's also common folk out there. And uh, when I first applied, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was too. I was like, man, what, how can I do to get in? So right. what was really neat about this is, of course, they get several hundred applicants. And it's not just done at Kennedy Space Center. Um, they're done all, NASA's all over the country. Um, right. shoot, even I think even Europe has their own versions of okay. their space social programs uh, for the European Space Agency, I think. Um, but several hundred people apply. 40 people were selected for this wonderful Boeing Starliner mission that we were on. And of all things, you and I having the same last name, I thought yeah. was kind of fun. But I thought it was funny, too. When I got on the bus, and we don't have to sit in any order. We don't know who anyone is. And I just went up and sat next to you and said, hey, I'm Chuck Fields. And you, I'm Jason Fields. Well, no, what are the chances of that? 
So yeah, man, it, it's kind of it's kind of crazy how it happened. Um, I, I was on the bus first, you know, and then you know, the the crowd is kind of filling in, and there were you know minimal seats left, and it was your time. I had saw your name on the list when they were giving us our credentials. And I thought to myself, you know, that's kind of odd that there's two people with the same last name. Yeah. I don't meet a lot of uh, people with our last name. And uh, but anyway, you know, when you introduced yourself, and I was like, man, that's that's so coincidental that that uh, <laughs> you know. And, and it was great. It, we hit it off, and uh, we had good conversations all day. You know, on the bus, we traveled all over that the uh, KSC. You know, on the bus. You know, it was really awesome. And I think one of the things that really blew me away and i'm sure it did too i'd love to get your impression on this but one of the first things that we went to was the boeing presentation and and folks they really treated us really well that day it was just amazing the organization of this entire event um, but of course it was about the boeing starliner mission and we were treated our first presentation with two wonderful folks from boeing we had melanie weber and lewis atchinson i was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about what your impression was of their presentation Sure. I thought that part of it was incredible. You know, I kind of expected, I did a little homework before I went on the social, you know, I, yeah. I kind of had an idea that they would give us a mission overview probably early on in the day. So we kind of knew what, what was going to happen, you know, with the launch we were going to see. And, um, when those two, Miss Weber and Mr. Atchison got up, I was, I was so impressed. They did their presentation in tandem. Mm -hmm. So the both of them on a small stage at the same time, and they kind of went back and forth. They gave a little background about themselves and, um, you know, uh, when Miss Weber had, uh, she had me hooked when she started talking about, she had worked on the F-22 Raptor. That's one of my favorite jets in all of aviation. That's and amazing. I, yeah. she had me right there, but I was really impressed with, uh, her talking about the interior design aspect that she was a part of for the Starliner capsule. And then, um, you know, one thing I'm going to interrupt you that one thing I really yeah. was impressed to is again, her title is she's like the crew and cargo accommodations lead. So she's right. basically more or less responsible for so many things, but also even as down as the seats, making sure the seats would fit different variety of people. And she had this right. wonderful image. She showed up on the screen of her height and she, you know, kind of a modest, uh, Stature and height, just like I am, uh, next to a really tall person, and they both had to right. fit in the same seats. And she takes care of that, so I was really impressed with that. Yeah, I thought uh, she, she was saying that the the design of the seat, you know, there's like a basic structure there, and then they the astronauts themselves they scan their backs and then they 3D print a uh, an insert. So basically, the seat conforms specifically to their back only, you know, when yeah. when they're in. So it's it's pretty incredible. And then, and then Mr. Atchison, he said he grew up right here in Florida and uh, watched shuttle launches from his backyard. And now the guy is directing launches and recovery and hopes to be an astronaut himself. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty incredible path from dreaming as a kid to the position he's in now. You know, it really is. And I think their passion came through, too, because I, I remember uh, talking to both of them briefly afterwards. And even Melanie was like, she was so excited and passionate they both were but she was also you know nervous about the mission too and she said sure. if any of you pray please pray for this pray for this mission and i i guess just seeing just how the boeing people just seeing the human side of how hard and how much energy that they've all put towards this mission and what they do was just really impressive absolutely i agree and the next step, though, was really cool. They took us to this uh, center where they showed us the Airstream Astrovan 2. Oh, yeah. And I have this awesome shot that I'll show for those of you watching on YouTube right now of you sitting in one of the seats. Yeah. What was going through your mind on this van? Tell us a little bit more about that. I tell you what, man. Um, when I got in that thing, I, you could tell that they had they did everything to the uh, – 
Tenth degree. You know, I mean, every, yeah. the design of this thing was all about the comfort of the people that will be riding in it. You know, the astronauts that will be uh, riding in these Starliner capsules, right? And yep. uh, the the seats themselves. The guy mentioned, I don't remember exactly what he said, but they're super plush and really fine leather. And there was plenty of room. No, you know, no seat was right next to the other one. There was plenty of room on either side of them for whatever they're going to have with them, you know. And right. uh, I just thought they really took their time designing this vehicle uh, because they intend to use it a lot. And that's exciting to me because that means, you know, they're going to they're gonna send people to space from right there at Kennedy. Oh, it was so exciting. And then that was parked right outside this wonderful museum-like experience that we went into. And they had this wonderful Starliner cockpit simulation right. um, and, and other stuff. What was your impression of that facility? I was really blown away. I thought it was pretty cool, man. I, I don't think that is um, – I think it was set up specifically for like VIPs and, and uh, guests of Boeing to uh, give them an overview of the Starliner and, and you know, kind of show the history of Boeing's um, – Boeing's co- cooperation with NASA it, throughout, throughout the history of uh, spaceflight there. And uh, I just thought they did a really good job. It, it was a, an exhibit worthy of any museum I've ever been to. And they had that cockpit simulation, which uh, I, didn't, I didn't try, but I, I kind of peeked over the shoulder of a few, guy, few of you guys that were on it. And uh, it was the real deal, man. It was pretty cool. Oh, it's amazing. Again, they just do everything to the nth degree. And I sure. love that. Uh, right after that... Uh, I guess I was also impressed, even the lunch that we had, <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, you said this in your blog that I'm going to link to in the show notes for this episode, but one thing I think you were impressed about was just the variety of people that were inside the cafeteria. Tell us more about that. Right. Sure. So, um, in this blog that, that Chuck's referring to, I, I, Earlier in the day, I, you know, like coming into this, to my first NASA social, so I didn't know exactly what to expect. And I had a little bit of that imposter syndrome, meaning I wasn't so sure I deserved to be on this thing. And, um, but, you know, I kind of pushed that aside in my mind. I, I, I had to come to terms with the fact that this was maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity and I wanted to take advantage of it. Yep. So I hadn't thought about it much since we, uh, had left um, registration that morning. And like you said, we got to lunch and we ate in a common cafeteria there. It's kind of directly across the street from the vehicle assembly building. And um, we were all sitting there having lunch. And I think you and I were sitting next to each other and there were three or four, um, a lady from Aerojet Rocketdyne and a few other people were there. And everybody was kind of saying, you know, what they did, what they were involved in and how they came to be at this event. And, uh, while this conversation is going on, I'm kind of looking around the room and I can see guys that are, um, you know, like the executive types or suit and tie guys. And they're sitting next to guys clearly sweat every day in their job. You know, right. they're out there in the field doing whatever it is, electricians, um, you know, engineers, technicians, all these all these groups of people. And it, and it kind of clicked in my head right then that this whole thing, uh, you know, supporting space exploration and, and NASA's role in it and our role in it, communicating their story and all of that is not for a specific group of people. It's for everyone, you right, know, right. and that, that like having that revelation in that little moment, you know, I, I, I didn't say anything out loud then. I was just thinking, you know, in, in my head while this conversation at the lunch table was going on, I'm looking around, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, this is for everybody. It, it doesn't have to be for a selected group and, and, 
once I had that, that those feelings of uh, inadequacy or w- whatever you want to call it, they kind of went away, and I and I really, uh, you know, enjoyed the day. You know, I think that was amazing. You know, space is for everybody, and it takes a huge team. You know, people can't emphasize it enough. Astronauts are incredible. Engineers are incredible, but it takes everybody all steps, all facets to, to make that happen. Um, we, we did have a nice trip. I'm going to kind of breeze over our trip to the Atlas sure. uh, Space Operations Center. I'll, I'll show a picture of Mission Control, which is incredible. But let's Absolutely. get to Launch Complex 41. This is where we saw Starliner on the pad. What was your what was going through your head when this when our bus got closer and closer and closer and came right up to the security fence? Before we... Um... My assumption was that we were going to stop. You know, the pad is in an elevated position from sea level, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them out there are. And um, my my thought was that we would stop somewhere on the lower end of that mound and kind of glance up there and be, let's say, 500 yards away or more from this from this rocket. And that would be as close as we got. And right. we would have opportunities to take pictures, you know, like through the fence itself. Mm-hmm. But the bus... You know, got closer and closer, and then we turned on the on the street or the road that that goes right up to where the it's, it's the same path that the rocket travels from the vertical integration building up to the pad itself. Right. And um, we pulled right up to the fence, and I, man, we we're we're a hundred yards from this rocket that's launching tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> and then they open the fence up, and so you've got this one hundred eighty degree unobstructed view of this rocket, and it was incredible, man. Oh, I thought that was so – it really blew me away too. And I sort of the icing on the cake is as we're admiring this close-up view of the rocket that was going to launch on the very next day, we had some uh, pretty special people from NASA show up. We had uh, a couple astronauts. We had Butch Wilmore. We had Colonel Bob Cabana. We had NASA Administrator – Deputy Administrator, I'm sorry, Jim Moorhard at first. Mm-hmm. They all showed up. What was uh, – you mentioned something too. I mean, uh, same thing as me. When we sort of see the – Blue flight suits, we know, right. hey, there's astronauts, and our heads immediately turned. And exactly. these guys, they didn't just walk by. They came up, started engaging with us. And you have this wonderful video that I'm going to show right now of – I was uh, fortunate to talk to Colonel Bob Cabana. I was asking about micrometeorites. Uh, so here he is just talking about his experiences of that in the space shuttle. They replaced, like, you know, three or four windows every flight. There was one on my third flight that was over on the pilot side that was a starburst about that big, and I said, no, it's on his side, I won't worry about it. <laughs> but the orbiter had um, three one-inch panes of glass. There was a, a pressure pane, an inner protective pane, and then an outer thermal pane. So it was that thermal pane that was getting replaced. How did you get into this? What motivated you? So I just wanted to fly jets ever since I was five years old. And I was fortunate enough to get in the Naval Academy, and uh, you know that allowed me to become a pilot in the Marine Corps, a Naval Aviator. I chose the Marine Corps uh, because I could get to flight school sooner than I could if I. If my class, when we graduated, they were sending everybody to sea for a year before they could go to flight school. And I said, a year on a destroyer, six months in Quantico, I'm going to be a Marine. I need to fly sooner. <laughs> but um, you know, I was a Naval Aviator in the Marine Corps, and then I became a test pilot, and that's what allowed me to be an astronaut. But I, I just, I never dreamed. I mean, I held astronauts in such high esteem, but it was a progressive thing. One thing led to another. So what was your impression of, of just the astronauts and the special guests that we had showing up? I tell you what, man, we were all focused on that rocket, and then kind of behind us, we saw that bus pull up, or what a van, whatever it was, and uh, 
<clears throat> you know, you're, you're, when a vehicle pulls up behind you, you kind of glance that way. But when they step out and they've got, you know, this color blue flight jacket on, you know right away, hey, that's an astronaut. Or, you know, most people that are into space even a little bit recognize that. And um, I was, like, like you said, I was expecting, you know, okay, this is a photo op. But they came through and they shook hands and they had personal conversations with anybody that was willing to have one. Mm-hmm. And that impressed me because... That to me felt like um, they cared and were, and you know, that both of those guys, um, Butch spent six months at the ISS. Right. Uh, Colonel Bob is the director of KSC now. Yes. And they're clearly still passionate about uh, the cause and what they do for a living, you know. Yeah. I, I was impressed by that. I thought it was neat too. And if that wasn't enough, then we turn the other way and NASA Administrator Jim Bridenstine. <laughs> <laughs> right comes up that, that really shocked me because they sent the um, deputy director out there and i thought wow that's pretty impressive they sent right. you know high level guy out here to mingle with us nasa social guys you know and yeah. um yeah when he showed up i thought wow that's i mean he's the top the buck stops with that dude you know so yep. <laughs> i was i was impressed with that and uh yeah that was neat too same I- as the other guys he was he was super uh friendly and and engaging and uh you know talked with anybody that wanted to talk to him. You know, he got up and, and he talked a little bit about uh, why commercialization of our program is important and why, um, you know, what percentage of the federal budget belongs to NASA and and why they argue for the amount that they do and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it is important because he, he made a good point that, like, beyond um, communications technology, there's so much that we use on a day-to-day life that is a direct result of the research performed by astronauts at the ISS and, and the shuttle and beyond, you know? Yeah, that was true, too. And I, I, I got to admit, starstruck is definitely the word that sort of came to mind. And sure. um, I was so impressed. I actually, you know, Jim Bridenstine, I had a wonderful opportunity to actually uh, meet him in person in November. We actually went to NASA headquarters and did an interview that uh, we have on our spacejourney.com site. Um but while we were talking to him, while he was talking to us, I should say, um, Tori Bruno, the head of ULA, was actually mingling with some of our crowd, too. But unfortunately, I was looking the other direction, so I didn't get to see Tori until he was away in the distance, and he gave a nice wave to me, which is which is wonderful on that. But yeah, it was just it, that was amazing. Um, after that, I hate to take us away from the launch pad, but after that, we went to one of my favorite facilities of this visit was the uh, Boeing's Commercial Crew and Cargo Processing Facility. Sure. Um, t- Tell us more about that. What was your impression going into that? I, I tell you what, man. We we pull up outside, and there's this mur- mural that is, um, you know, has the Starliner spacecraft uh, in Earth orbit, and it covers the entire side of this building. Right. And I was familiar with the building from its role um, in the space shuttle program. Uh-huh. If you look at the side of this building, you know, it has these wide bay doors that are wide enough to uh, accommodate the wings of the, the shuttle, right. and it's got the little notch at the top for the fin to come through the building. Exactly. And the, and the mural is across that side of the building, so you can still see the doors there, and they still utilize them to move their, their spacecraft in and out, but that was cool. Uh, but I had zero idea what we would see inside. I mean, and when we went inside, I was, I was more than impressed. I can tell oh, you that. Oh, it blew away because, I mean, they told us no close-up shots. But they let us take some some photos, sure. and we, we saw the next next capsule that's being prepared for the first for their first crewed flight, which right. is going to be amazing. We saw the capsule from uh, earlier this year, or I should say, late uh, twenty nineteen, the capsule that uh, did the abort test. 
successfully. Right. We also saw the new service module and a heat shield for that. So it was a truly an impressive facility. Yeah, I, I was blown away when we came in and, and they had the um, the clean room set up there where they were working on the capsule and, and the exterior panels were away and you could see all of the tubing and wiring like it's it's miles and miles of wire and 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 tubing to support that stuff and and you realize i mean you kind of know i guess but when when you see it firsthand you realize the complexities of what what's going on and it really gives you a, a better appreciation of, of the work that goes into that you know it was amazing and not only that facility but the, i understand probably your biggest thrill uh, early in the day we went to the vehicle assembly building what yes, was going sir. through your head on that building tell me all about it my favorite part of the day. So, um, I saw that building, you know, when I was a child, I was on vacation with my parents and we passed the building and, um, on just a bus tour and you didn't, back then, you know, the shuttle program was active. Nobody was going in there, you know, nobody right. from the public, but, uh, they slowed down, you know, and then they're giving you the facts and the, and just the sheer volume of the thing and knowing that, um, you know, Saturn V rockets were assembled there, and, and at that point, the shuttle was being assembled there, and all that. As a kid, that that's what hooked me, man, because um, it's just that impressive of a structure. Right. And um, so, I kind of had an idea based on a little online videos and things I'd watched that we might go there. And and when we were when we went, we had a very short window. Right? He told us we had 15 minutes because. Uh, our schedule for the day had gotten condensed because we'd lingered other places longer and so on. Right. But when we went inside there, um, it you're, you're on the low end. So it's got a low bay and a high bay and we come in the low end and the ceilings 200 feet over your head. Right. Uh, in the low end. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and it just the volume interior volume of that, of that space is unreal. And you look into the high end and then the ceiling goes up another 300 feet. It's, it's mind blowing. You know, it was cool. And that, that day itself, I mean, it's just amazing how much adrenaline is pumping through your body. And, and, and you yeah. know, by that night, <laughs> I know we were all exhausted. And adding to the matter, uh, not that it was a problem at all, but the next day for the launch, we basically had to be at uh, Kennedy Space Center by 4 in the morning, 4 a.m. Right. for this launch. <laughs> we got there. Everything went off without a hitch. We uh, went to the uh, media site to watch the launch. Right. Um, what was going through your mind then? You know, I, I was excited. I, I'd had the opportunity to watch a few other launches, um, and but never, never, obviously, never from that site. And um, it, it was cool because you know, I, I don't, I don't know if you've seen. I'm sure you have the Apollo 11 documentary that came out earlier this year. Yeah, it's got all this great high definition footage that they dug up from the archives, and um, amazing. Some of the shots there is the crowd of people, you know, back in 1969, standing on that same lawn we are, you know, watching, um, getting ready to watch Neil Armstrong and, and Michael Collins and Buzz Aldrin launch to the moon. Right. And just, I guess that's the kind of feeling I had all day long. It's like, I'm standing in a place that is so historically significant that it's kind of surreal. So... Yeah, especially even the, the, that big countdown clock was right there. We could walk right up to it right. if we wanted to. We didn't want to get the camera's view of right. it. <laughs> but it was impressive, and the launch itself was just beautiful and breathtaking. I mean, it yeah. was it was twilight, barely. And yeah. as, as the rocket ascended, we could just, again, you could feel that wonderful vibrations going through your chest. Uh, it was a little bit windy that day, but it amazingly calmed down right before launch. It was just beautiful right. timing, beautiful launch itself. 
I believe, you know, I believe so many things happened um, exactly the way they had to to get that rocket off the ground. You know, mm-hmm. the, like I said, the weather calmed down. It was an instant, instantaneous window. So if it yeah. didn't launch immediately, it was scrubbed. And my schedule wasn't going to allow me to stay and come another day. So I would have had to miss it. But, uh, yeah, everything worked out. And uh, right at 636, it, it, it left the ground. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. And I know there was a, uh, you know, obviously a problem getting to the space station. But all in all, the the mission landed successfully just a couple of days later. Um, yeah. I'm just so excited about, about that. And, again, it was just getting to know the Boeing people and every one of them that – took time out of their schedule to give us such a wonderful experience. Uh, you just can't help but want to be a cheerleader for them and just kind of root for them for success, for getting people back up to space from U.S. oil. Uh, yeah, I agree, man. The um, You never want to hear the word anomaly when you're talking about a launch or anything right. in space travel, but they are a reality, right? They happen. Going to space is not easy. And the people we met all day um, the day before and, and, that, and that morning, the people from Boeing that we dealt with and anybody involved with this, you could tell like this was their life at that moment. They had, they had invested so much of themselves in that. And, um, for it to have an issue, you know, I'm sure was way more disappointing to them than it would ever be to you and I. But, um, they were able to, like you said, they were able to do some of the flight checks, you know, while it was in orbit for a few days, they didn't, they didn't get all the the stuff done they wanted to do, but, uh, they landed the craft safely. Everything performed on that end, like it was supposed to. And, um, I believe that the next time that they launch it, it'll go off without a hitch. Oh, that sounds great. Jason, again, I I can't thank you enough for taking time out. Can you tell us more about the podcast that you help with uh, and how people can find out more about that? Sure. Uh, you can check it out at floridasinking.com. Florida is sinking is the name of the podcast. And, um, I got involved with those guys. Um, there's a host or there's two hosts and they're from the other coast in Florida, closer to Kennedy than I am. I'm in Tampa, but, um, Mm -hmm. they, uh, I, I was just a listener. I found the podcast online and I thought, you know, it's great podcast and uh, it's comedic and they just kind of poke fun at all the crazy news stories and stuff that comes out of Florida. But we also talk a little bit or they also talk a little bit. I've been on the show a few times um, about life in Florida and, and the good and the bad and all that stuff that comes with that. Well, Kennedy Space Center is right in our back door, right? So right. this is part of our life here. And uh, we I see rockets launching sometimes during the middle of the workday. I can look off to the east and, and see a rocket going up, you know. So it's, it's a part of our lives, and I wanted to go experience that and, uh, you know, really get an – get a better look at it and uh, communicate that to this audience. Say, hey, this is right in your back door. Check it out. You know, it's right here. So. Oh, excellent. Well, Jason, thanks again for taking time to join us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. Online Coffee Break. Wow, we are so excited about launching Americans once again from U.S. soil. We're hoping that 2020 is the year to make that happen. We're not sure if it's going to be Boeing first or SpaceX. We're excited either way. If you'd like to follow updates for Starliner, just go to their website at starlinerupdates.com. If you'd like to view our behind-the-scenes look at SpaceX's um, Crew Dragon demonstration earlier in 2019, just go to our website at onlinecoffeebreak.com forward slash 82. If you'd like to learn more about the commercial program in general from NASA, just go to their website at nasa.gov forward slash commercial crew. 
I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us today. Really do appreciate it. If you can share the love by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or just liking this video if you're watching YouTube or whatever podcast application you listen to, we really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. God bless.